0: Welcome to training from Scott Ross online. Scott Ross is a highly sought after and internationally acclaimed personal development and leadership coach who speaks to more than 50,000 people a year. The same strategies he's taught top executives are available to you through programs like this one. We encourage you to take notes and listen to this audio multiple times for maximum results. And now, here's Scott. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Ross Leadership Podcast. I appreciate those of you who are listening live and those of you who are listening to this in your car or on your mobile device, wherever you may be in the world. I'm excited to be a part of... your life today, and we've got a series that we're in the midst of in which we're talking about how to lead from any part of an organization. Some people have referred to this as 360-degree leadership. I want to let you know that if you are just joining the series and you want to hear the first episode, you can go to scottrossonline.com. And there you can find a way to subscribe to the podcast as well as get the archives. We have over 85 episodes of this podcast available to you. It's a goldmine of leadership information. I encourage you to go out and subscribe. It can work on any device that you may have, iPhone, iPad, Android, um, your computer, of course. So uh, get out there to scottrossonline.com and do that. So last week we dove into this idea. Of leading from anywhere you are in an organization. And today, um, we're going to dive into the first of the three positions you can find yourself in and how to lead from that position. Now, the previous episode, we gave some principles that apply to you no matter where you find yourself in an organization. But today, we're going to dive specifically into the idea of leading from above or leading down, so to speak. So this would be when In the hierarchy of your organization, you are positioned above other people from an organizational chart perspective. So maybe you're the manager, maybe you're the director, maybe just because of your rank in your organization, you're considered to be, quote, above those people who are not at that rank. We're going to talk about how to lead down in an organization. And this is the place that most people think of when they think of leadership. And of course, if you've been with us on this podcast for very long, you know that we don't think of leadership in that way because leadership is not a position. It is not a title. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. But when people think of leaders, they naturally think of the person who is on the top, quote unquote. They think of the person who's at the top top of the hierarchy and is speaking or leading down. And so we're going to start from there, and then of course next week we'll talk about leading laterally, and then we'll conclude with leading up. And again, just remember the principle we talked about last time, which is you can lead from wherever you are within an organization. Now as I go through today's information, some of you may be thinking, well I'm not In the top of my hierarchy, I am not in one of those upper echelon positions, so I don't need to listen to this particular episode. I can kind of check out. That would be the furthest thing from the truth. You are going to someday be in this position. And you need to be thinking about that now. In fact, you can take these principles and begin to apply them against the people in your life who are higher up in the hierarchy and start to evaluate their leadership and you're making mental notes. That's good. That's not so good. I want to emulate that. No, I probably don't want to emulate that behavior right there. So this information is valuable to you because everyone on this podcast, the goal is for you to be leading lots and lots of people, to be making a major impact in your organization and in the world. And so even if you're not higher up in the hierarchy right now, don't let that dissuade you from paying attention to these principles. So let's dive in. Let's begin by remembering why somebody follows another person. See, there's only two reasons that someone's going to follow another person. One, they have to follow them, or two, they want to follow them. That's it. They have to, they're forced to, or they volunteer to follow. And the first one where you have to, that's not leadership. That's management. You know, when I was in the military, I had to do what my superiors told me. No matter what, it was actually against the law for me to disobey my superiors. If I even questioned my superiors in a way that they felt or perceived was insubordinate, I could be put in jail, sometimes in a company At a job, you have to do what your superiors tell you because you fear for your job. You don't want to be fired. That is not leadership. That is management. And it only works in a very limited number of environments. And even in those environments, it has very limited results. Think about the parent that tells the child, you're not wearing that out of the house. And why? Because I said so. And so they have to follow instructions for a little while, but then they go to school and they have a different outfit waiting in their locker. You see, management type leadership, the forcing people to follow you It only works in a very limited number of circumstances, and even in those circumstances, it has very limited results. Even in places like the military, where you're legally bound to follow orders, there is this desire amongst a lot of subordinates to do everything they can do to not follow the leader's order. They do the minimum amount necessary and nothing more when the only amount of leadership being applied is more positional or title-based rather than true leadership. See, there's a lot of environments where a management approach will not work at all think about these. First, leading cross-functional teams, where you have people that don't report to you. When I was in the software industry, I had to lead teams of people. Sometimes they might be people that weren't even inside my corporation. For instance, if we were implementing a large software project at a major corporation, there would be alliance partners, consultants, and people outside of my company that I still had to lead. Well, they didn't report to me. So trying to make them do Something because I said so was never gonna fly. Nonprofit organizations where you lead a lot of volunteers. Coaching, when the players don't have to play for you, they could leave your team, they could go to a different team. The later stages of parenting, in the early days of parenting, you can get away with purely positional leadership. But once your children begin to mature and decide whether they want to follow you or not, Doing it from a purely positional perspective is not going to get very effective results. And then network marketing, where everyone is the CEO of their own business, and you're leading a volunteer army of entrepreneurs. There, they don't have to follow you. They don't have to listen to you. They can choose to leave at any point that they want to. In all of these environments, if we're relying on position or we're relying on a, on a, a title We're not going to be effective as a leader. So when we lead down, the first rule is that we are going to make value our leadership metric, not position and not title. Let me say it another way. We want to make a decision that our position or our title would be used as absolutely the last resort. In fact, if you're a great leader, you should never reach a point that you're having to rely on your title or your position to get people to want to follow you or buy into your vision or take action. So let's continue to talk about why people choose to follow someone and how do we make value how we measure our leadership. People follow someone because they have value added to their life. Think about the people who could get you to do anything. You've got people in your life that pretty much no matter what they'd ask you to do, you would be willing to do it. And you know why? If you think about it, it's because they have added value to your life. The people who have added the most value have the most ability to get you to want to take action when the request comes on the other end of the line. So if we know that to be true, if we know that value added to a person is what causes them to want to respond to us and gives us influence in, our, in their life, we want to think about adding value all the time. So how could we add value to people's lives that are in our teams? First of all, by helping them achieve their personal goals. Yes, we need to think about organizational goals. Yes, we need to think about the direction of the team. But at the end of the day, people are there because somewhere they associate that being a part of that team or that organization is going to facilitate their personal agenda. When you get beyond the organizational stuff and the team stuff and help them start thinking about their agenda that's when you're going to start adding a lot of value. That's when they're going to see you as adding value, and that's where your influence is going to grow. Of course, this may go without saying, but if we're focusing on their agenda, it means we're not focusing on our agenda. The greatest leader of all time was Jesus Christ, and he said, the Son of Man comes to serve, not to be served. Even if you don't follow him or believe in him from a religious perspective, you have to admit that the people who do follow him believe he was God. Here is the idea. A person who is God in the flesh is not looking to have himself be served. He flips it on its head and says, I'm here to serve you. And that's why millions billions of people follow him. He has added massive value to the life of his followers. That's what we want to do. We want to emulate that attitude. We come to serve, not to be served. We come to assist with our person's agenda rather than our agenda. Secondly, help them grow as a person. If you're helping someone grow and develop and mature that feeling that they get from growing and becoming more knowledgeable, from having their awareness expanded, from having their goals start to be achieved, that excitement is all going to get associated with you. Think about it. You help people grow in their relationships with their spouse. You help them grow as a leader. You help them grow as a salesperson, you help them grow in the skills they need to build their personal business or in their particular field, when you're helping them grow, they're going to love you for it. And that's going to raise your level of influence as well. Supporting them emotionally. You know, one thing that happens in our society is that people feel very isolated. People feel like they're on an island. It's amazing. We live in neighborhoods, and we don't even know the person to the left or right of us. We don't know their name. We go to church, but we're not really in community there. We just walk in the door at the same time as all these other people walk in the door, and we sit in the pew at the same time they sit in the pew, and then we leave at the same time they leave. But really, we're on an island when we're in that environment for many people. When someone comes along and breaks through that veil of isolation and begins to emotionally support a person and care about them and empathize with them, to weep with them when they weep, and to laugh with them when they laugh, that is an invaluable thing in people's lives and so if you will go beyond the business if you'll go beyond the you know technical and you will get into people's lives at an emotional level you will raise your level of influence a ton I will tell you, I've read a ton of books um, written by management gurus and consultants that talk about the business world, and one of the pieces of advice that I can tell you unequivocally is total nonsense, is there is an idea in the management world amongst a lot of gurus that the leader should disconnect themselves from their people. The leader should not get too close to their people. This is ridiculous. I'll use Jesus as an example. Here he is, God himself, and what did he do? He came and met his people on their terms, he met them where they were, and he lived with them for three years. Napoleon did the exact same thing. George Washington, the greatest leader of the last thousand years, he lived with his men. Whatever they were going through, he would go through. When they were without food, he went without food. When they were without blankets, he would forfeit his own blanket so that he was amongst them, so they could see he was going. Through what they were going through. Get close to your people. Support them emotionally. And last but not least, recognition and appreciation. People will die for recognition. Too many leaders only notice when someone is doing the wrong thing. In most people's lives, in all the people you associate with, just make this assumption they've probably gone not weeks, not months years without true, sincere acknowledgement of their worth. If you come along and pour out appreciation for them, recognition for the things they do well, for the contribution they make, they will absolutely adore you and your influence with them will grow. You will be feeding them and filling them up and filling their tank with something they have been longing for for a long time and are not going to find anywhere else. So we spent a lot of time on this principle, but I I wanted to make sure we did so because when we're going to lead down, we have got to think about it Not from a positional perspective or a title perspective, but from the perspective of adding value and serving others. When you serve and add value, you're going to make a huge impact. Let me give you a a practical step you can take that will transform your leadership. Every night, do this quick exercise. Think about three people in your team, three people in your organization, three people in your life. That you want to raise your level of influence with. And then specifically come up with a way you could add value for that person for each name the next day. Something you could specifically do. Maybe it's jotting down a little note and sending it to them. Maybe it's a quick phone call. Maybe it's you know something that one of their family members needs and you know how to get it for them. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. I had an employee once and his daughter was a softball player. And she was a high school player who was looking to go to college. And I happened to have a connection to a professional softball coach that had played professional softball and was connected to a lot of universities. I just thought of that person, thought here's a way to add value, and connected him with the softball coach. And it made a huge difference. His daughter ended up going on to get a scholarship, and not because I was responsible, but just that was a little thing I could do that would add value to their life. And then the next day, after you've written these three names down and the three ways you can add value, do the three things. And at the end of the day, make some notes to yourself about what you learned, how it went, and then write down the three names and the three ways you're going to add value for the next day. You just do this every day. It'll change your life. It'll transform your leadership. Okay, we've got to go through these next principles pretty quickly. The second principle for for leading down is to become an over-communicator. Now, I have to confess to you, this is an area where I am not strong, and something I have to remind myself all the time. What a lot of leaders do is they communicate the objective, they communicate the set of instructions, and they assume that's good enough. Here's the orders, here's what we're gonna go do. Now everybody go march, lead, go, go do it, you know, move out. And that is not the most effective way to get your team to move to action. What we want to do is over communicate. We don't want to just talk about the vision initially. and We don't even want to just give the set of instructions of what we're going to go do. We want to get into the why we're doing this. Why is it important? Why have we chosen this mechanism to go do it? And then at a deeper level, on an individual level or at a minimum within each team, if you have multiple teams involved, help people understand their role and why their role is so important to the overall objective. Why is what these people doing, why is it so strategic? There was a book written by a guy named Ken Blanchard. It's called gung ho. And Ken Blanchard's book is about how to turn on your people and how to get people to be very enthusiastic about their efforts. And the first major principle of the book is the principle of worthwhile work, worthwhile work. And he, teaches in the book that when team members understand why their role is important and how their role contributes to the big picture, they become much more motivated and much more fulfilled. Too many times people who are managers rather than leaders think that they can just leave people in the dark. And so what happens is team members begin to minimize the importance of what they do. We see this with quality control issues in corporations all the time. People who are in the manufacturing facility or who are on the line, they start to lose sight of how big their role really is, and so they start to slack off. They start to be lax with their standards. And you can correct that problem very quickly by showing them how strategic their little role, the one thing they do, is to the overall success of the organization. That's something you can never forget. Be an over-communicator. Get into the why and show people how what they're doing is critical to the big picture. Last but not least for today, we're going to get into... We're going to have to extend this to another episode, I think. I expected to get through this all in one episode, but it looks like we're going to run out of time. The third thing and the last thing I'll say is going to be uh, harkened back to the principle that we gave you guys in the first episode. And that is that if you're going to lead down, you need to be prepared to own the results. Own the results. Write this down. A leader never blames. A leader never blames. If something goes wrong, it's the leader's fault. If the subordinate does the wrong thing, it's the leader's fault. See, a lot of times people will want to say, man, if my people had just done the right thing here, if, if he hadn't have screwed that up, if she would have simply done what I told her, we would not be in this position. That's not how leaders talk. You see. If if the subordinate doesn't do the thing that should have been done, then the leader didn't communicate effectively. The leader must have left something out. The leader must not have given them all of the equipment or the materials or the resources necessary to be successful. It must have been the leader's fault for putting the person in a position to fail. It must have been the leader's fault for having the wrong person On the job, maybe their personality or their skill set wasn't even good or accurate or fitting for that particular role or that job. The bottom line is that leaders know that the buck stops with me and they never, ever, ever blame. Your people will know if it's their fault. Your people will know if they screwed up. You'll lose them the second that you point that out. You'll win them forever the second you take it on yourself and take the blame in front of everyone and say, it's all me. I screwed this up. They'll never forget it. They'll be loyal to you for life. So if you're going to be a world-class leader leading down, you're going to want to own your results. So let's quickly review we've got three positions we could lead from. We can lead down, we can lead laterally, those around us, and we can lead from the bottom. We can lead up. And when we lead down, we don't ever want to lead because of our position or our title, where we are in the hierarchy. No. We want to build influence with people so that they want to follow us. Because by the way, That's the only kind of leadership that's even going to work in the majority of environments that you're going to find yourself in. How do we do that? We're going to make value our metric. We're going to serve other people and build value into them. Every night, we're going to think about three people we could add value to, and the next day, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be an over communicator, we're not going to just leave it with the minimum amount of instruction. We're going to give them the big picture. We're going to give them the why. And we're going to help people understand their role and why it's critical. And last but not least, we're going to own our results. It's nobody's fault but mine. I'm the captain of the ship. I am the one. The buck stops with me. Next week, we're going to get into two very big principles here that we didn't have time to get into, finish up this idea of leading down, and then we'll continue the series talking about how to lead laterally and lead up. I hope this adds value to you guys. Again, get on scottrossonline.com to get the archives. Until next week, guys, go lead. Let's make an impact in the world for eternity. Bye-bye have enjoyed this audio program. For more resources to further your development as a world-class leader and for success strategies and tactics in all areas of your life, please visit scottrossonline.com. And be sure to connect with Scott on Facebook and Twitter using the ID at Scott